And can we thank the ushers when they come by and, and uh, those that serve, our men and women that serve us so well. Uh, sometimes we just take for granted that they're passing out these buckets, but thank you for serving the ushers and those that have said yes to serving God. Some of you serve in various ministries, and I'd like to say thank you for serving. Uh, it's because of your hearts and generosity that people come to know Christ, our kids come to know Christ, and this community is changed one person at a time. And as we're going through this series, God and Us, uh, there's things that are happening right now around our nation and even around the world uh, because of what happened 10 years ago. And people are praying. Uh, there's different services that are taking place and uh, different specials that are on TV uh, because of what took place. And for those that have been affected, which we all have, but many of those families that have been directly affected uh, still go through the painful memories. And even for those that have given their lives uh, at that time and those that were uh, going through just that season as family and trying to, you know, continue on in life, uh, we cannot forget that there are brothers and sisters, that in this great nation that God has built, that we still stand strong together as a people. And we know that yeah, God puts order in place, we have a government system, but it will never be our government that keeps us afloat. It will be God's sovereignty and His Spirit that He moves in and through His people. So we're just going to take a brief moment of silence, just a couple moments, and then we're going to pray. And so let's do that right now, and just take about a half a minute or so, and just some silence in honor of those that have gone before us. our God in heaven who is above all we thank you for for sustaining us as a people in these past 10 years and we pray for the family members and those who have given their lives 10 years ago and for those that continue to serve our country to serve us and Go behind enemy lines for freedom's cause so that we can do things like this in this nation. Lord, we are honored to be a part of what you're doing in what we call the United States of America. We thank you for our men and women who are right now serving in a foreign land. That you would protect them, you would guard them, that you would surround them with an army of angels and you would strengthen them. And that as we live in this world, it's a darkened world, but you are the one who causes us to shine as lights and you're the one who restores us to a greater hope. And so we pray for our president. We pray for his cabinet. 
we pray for our government system that we would focus on you and that their eyes would be set on you. That we wouldn't be led by politics and policies, but we would be led by your spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you that although things can be devastating, that out of ashes you can bring about beauty. And that no matter what takes place, your spirit can never be taken from us. And so we hang on tight to you. We fix our eyes on you. And we thank you for sustaining us these past 10 years and will continue to do so for a future and a hope. In your name we pray. We all said, Amen. Can we thank our Lord and those that serve around the, the world so that we can have this freedom? Well, you can take out your, your notes that are in your bulletin and we are continuing in a series, God and Us. And I was reminded uh, this past week, uh, some of you grew up playing, or maybe you still do, play the game Monopoly. And maybe you've taught your kids or maybe you've learned that. Maybe you have an electronic version. But we would teach our kids Monopoly. And the whole idea behind Monopoly is that you would have to acquire land and purchase property and then start building houses and hotels so that if the person landed on your space, they would pay you rent. Well, we had to teach our kids. And you know, when they're kids, you give them chance, right? Parents, you should be giving your kids chance. And so we would, you know, help them along and they would buy certain properties and, and then they would begin to learn the game. And then they would buy things. And because we would have, you know, property and, and they would land on our piece, we would once in a while give them free rent because it's just a board game. Some of you parents are still doing that, but that's a whole different thing. And so they would, we would just let them go. Well, then they began to understand the game and the concept and the two greatest pieces of real estate that you could own in Monopoly was Boardwalk and Park Place. Once my kids obtain that piece of property, oh man, watch out because they are like, they are like real estate brokers that will go crazy over buying everything so that they can demolish you. And once they bought those properties, they were dancing, they were singing for joy because they knew that if they could acquire that, they had a better chance of winning, which was true. After a while, we'd have to pay them rent and more rent and more rent. Then they would build homes and hotels. And then you, when you land on that, you pay like $2,000 rent if you own them both. And for Heidi and I, after a while, it's like the kids would gang up on us. And so my oldest son, Justin, and my youngest son, Jordan, they would gang up on us. And then we'd land on Park Place or Boardwalk. They would say, yeah, you owe us money. And we'd be like, what? We gave you free rent. They said, yeah, but that was like $10. This is like 1500 So pay up. I'm like, come on. So we'd have to pay them. And then because we have to keep paying them over and over... After a while, we started to lose our real estate because we had to sell in order to pay them. And then you kind of bend the rules a little bit. You say, how about I trade you this for that? And we would make trades. And, and still, they would start to take over the whole entire board. I mean, who cares about Mediterranean Baltic? Nobody cares. But they took over the entire board and they just ran us dry, 
bankrupt. And I remember at the end of the game, they would collect everything and they would say, Mom, Dad, I own it all. And they would take the whole thing. And I'd say, yeah, good, you own it all. Clean up your mess. It's all your mess. You own all of that. Clean it up. Bye-bye. But it's like that's our human tendency. We, we want to own it all. We want things. And nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with things belonging to us. Nothing wrong with owning things. So long as what we own does not begin to own us. We're going to look at three people today in the Bible. Two are fictional characters that Jesus used as a way to illustrate. And then a real character by the name of Job that we're going to look at. The other is the rich fool and the shrewd manager. Because really, if we look at everything that we see, everything around us, the world, everything belongs to God. Everything does. Everything belongs to Him. That's what the psalm says, the book of Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, the earth, and let's read this together. Ready? Go. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to Him. Yeah, we all belong to God. We don't own one another. When we do a marriage ceremony, I say to the husband and I say to the wife, the ring does not represent ownership. We grow up in a society that says this ring means ownership. We don't belong to one another. We may as husband and wife belong with one another, but we don't belong to each other. We belong to God. He created us. He knows how we work best. He's the owner of us. We can't create one another. He creates us. And I was reminded of that this past weekend. Uh, My son and uh, his wife just had their second baby so that's my second grandson and big boy came into this world and I when 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 he was born I looked at him and I thought that is amazing that one he's big he's you know eight pounds eight you know, eleven and a quarter ounce and and I thought God you created him and I was watching him breathe, you know, after they cry and then they're breathing, they're kind of settled down. I'm just watching his lungs and, and how God knit him together. And I'm amazed at how God creates. But he belongs to God. We all belong to God. And that is good news. See, we want to learn from these three different stories and, and how we can be people who understand that Everything belongs to God and how we can steward well what God has given to us that belong to Him. See, I think we, we forget that the most precious things in life, Jesus paid His life for. That He was the one who purchased people with His life. Because people matter to God. Did you know that of everything that we see, and maybe we know this, but maybe we don't live this way, everything we see, everything we own, cannot enter into the next life. It cannot. It cannot enter into the next life. No matter how much we try to hang on to it, no matter how much we try to polish it, keep it, build it up, it's not going with us into the next life. There's only one thing 
that is guaranteed to go into the next life. And that's people. You and I. Now, whether you're on the good side or the hot side is your choice. But God makes eternity available to you and I. And He created heaven for us. You see, everything belongs to Him. That's the relationship that He wants. He doesn't want us to just understand that, okay, I own it all. He's saying, no, there's a partnership between God and us. He's saying, I'm going to call you managers to steward wisely what I give to you. That we're going to be people who say to God, you know what, I'm going to invest in what you invest in, and that's people. And you can write that in number one. If you're taking notes, that's something that we can learn. That we can invest in people in whatever way He calls you to invest. We love to own things. But to steward what God gives, oh, that's a totally different perspective. But he says, you know, invest in people. Why people? Because they're the only ones that will enter into the next life. Our kids belong to Him. Our spouse belongs to Him. Our loved ones, our co-workers, our family members, they all belong to God. And that's a good thing because God is good and in Him there is no darkness. And everything belongs to Him. I ask myself, when my life is done, and maybe this is a question you can be thinking through, when my life is done, what will people say I did with it? When it's all said and done, when my life is at its end, and I'm into the next life, what will people say I did with it? Will people say, oh boy, that he was a family man. She was a woman of God. Oh, he was someone who spent his money wisely. She was someone who loved her kids. Or would they say, oh boy, that person just squandered their life. Wasted it all. Could have been somebody great. Could have done well. Or would they say, oh, they lived it up. They lived it up like there was no tomorrow. They partied and partied and partied and they figured, ah, that's life. Oh, that was their life. Well, they say, oh boy, that person is very tight-fisted. That's so controlling. Well, they say that you were generous. You were a giver. An encourager. Someone who was loving or kind. Well, they say, boy, he was a great dad. She was a great mom, great husband, great wife. What would they say at the end of our life that we did with it? Because it must come back to people. Because that is what matters most in the scope of all eternity. The first character we're going to look at is found in the book of Luke and And Jesus labels him as the rich fool, him or her. And he labels them the rich fool in Luke 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke 12, and I'll read from uh, verses 13 through 21. Or if you have your electronical gadget, you can open up your Bible there too. But in Luke chapter 12, Jesus first addresses a real life issue. And he says in chapter 12, verse 13, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, 
For one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke this parable to them. He said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he taught them, Oh, and, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, oh, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, Jesus gives this story, and he's talking about someone who has much. And he says, well, when this person had more and more, he had to think to himself, what am I going to do with this? And he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to store it away so that I can get more and more and acquire more. And God calls him a fool. He's not called a fool because he has. He's called a, a fool because of what he does with what he has. It's okay to have, but that's only half the story. And Jesus gives this parable and he says, He stores everything up, and God calls him a fool. And if you notice in this story, not one mention of anyone else but himself. Because he said, I will say to my soul, my soul, instead of saying, I will say to my soul, soul, ask God what you get to do with what you have, because it doesn't belong to you. Jesus gives us the practicality of how we think. As human beings, we think the more we have, the more it's for us. But in whatever way that would be. More talent, more skills, more resources, whatever. We think it's for us. And Jesus says, invest in where it matters most. It's all about my kingdom. It's about what I'm doing in your family. Invest in people. Maybe there's someone you know of who needs encouragement. Maybe there's somebody you know of who, who needs some kindness given to them. Maybe it's God speaking to us that maybe we've been that person in this story and we've been the fool all along, not even knowing it. Maybe God is speaking and He's saying, invest in people. That's what matters the most. In this parable, there's no mention of people and God says, you fool. But there's more to it than that. In Proverbs 11.25, it says that the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. See, what the Bible is not saying is, having things for you is bad. It's not saying that you cannot have things, you cannot acquire things. What it's saying is, if it just stops there, then you will, you will actually dry out in your life. You will not be watered yourself. But... If you're a generous person, that generous soul, you'll become rich. And when you invest in others, God will in turn invest in you. Because God doesn't necessarily give to us. There are times when God will give through us. 
And he'll say, I'm giving you encouragement, and it's not just for you. It's so you get back on your feet, so you can do the same for someone else. I'm going to bless you here. Why? Not just so that you can get back on your feet, so that you can get back on your feet and do the same for someone else. See, God has an unlimited supply of resources. He has all the love we need, all the encouragement we need, all the kindness we need, all the, all the finances we need, all the gifts we need, all the wisdom we need. But he's saying, but it's, it's not unlimited for you. It's unlimited so it can work through you. And it's not just for you to have. When my kids were growing up, we used to buy them these uh, ICs, like these Otter Pops. They're kind of these smaller. They're like mini-me Brada Pops. If you saw Brada Pops, they're kind of big. These are like little ones. And we'd buy them by like 140 at a time, like this big box. And so we'd throw it in the freezer. And then my kids would play outside. They would come in, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy, can I have, can I have an Otter Pop? Yeah. Then we'll give them an Otter Pop. They'll go outside and play. And what happens? Their friends want one. So they'll come back inside and say, Oh, Dad, my friends want one. I said, Okay, how many? Three. Give it to them. Then they'll come back in discouraged, Dad. Like ten of my friends are outside now. And I said, That's okay. He said, Yeah, but we don't have enough. I said, Come, let me show you something. I will take them to the freezer and pull out all the Otter Pops. And I said, Look how much we have. And you know, And then they would take some and then give it out to their friends. They could share because they knew that daddy had an unlimited supply of icy pops. Our God in heaven has an unlimited supply of resources. Unlimited. So for us to invest in people, easy. Easy to give encouragement away. Easy to say, God, I'll be a giver unto you. Easy to say, God, I'm the one that you can use love to move through. I, use me as a husband to, to love my wife. Use me as a wife to love my husband. Use me as a mom, a dad, to show your love through. Use me as a child to show love through. In which, whichever way you see possible, God, you, you move in and through me because you have an unlimited supply of resources. You never run out of encouragement when you give that away. It actually increases more in your life. Why? Because God has an unlimited supply of resources. Invest in people. That is the best investment that you can ever make. And when we understand that God has an unlimited supply, then He's able to say, I can invest in you because you're investing in what I'm investing in. People. Which brings us to our second point. This is the challenge. For many of us, we know that everything belongs to God. And that we're stewards, we're, we're managers over what God gives to us. But here's the challenge that God spoke to me long ago and still speaks to me to this day. To step it up, and you can write this in, step it up as manager of God's property. Because the earth and all its fullness belong to who? Yes. It does not belong to us. We manage and steward what belongs to Him. Here's the second story in Luke chapter 16. And I'll read from verses 1 through 8. And this is the story of the shrewd manager, or your Bible might say unjust manager or unjust steward. But in chapter 16 of the book of Luke, verse 1, He also said to His disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. 
So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account to your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, Oh, what shall I do? For my master has taken the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I, when I am put out of my stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and he said to the first, well, How much money does, does, do you owe my master? And he says, Well, I, I, owe, I owe a hundred measures of oil. He said, Good. Okay, so... Take your bill, sit down quickly, and then write 50 on it. And the guy's like, cool, 50% off. That's great. I, I'll do that. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Let's make this crystal clear. What Jesus was not saying was whatever you can do with dishonesty to get ahead, go for it. What he wasn't saying was, I am honoring the person who lied well. I am going to exalt the person who can get away with things without getting caught. That's not what he's saying. The whole story behind this and the whole the picture behind what Jesus is saying and the reason why the Master commended this person and there's many reasons but the one we want to learn from is that he came to him and he said this is the leadership I was looking for this is what I was trying to do in your life all along that even now with the shortcuts that you just made that is far better than what you were doing before with squandering my goods I mean you're still fired but you did well in the process and it's like the owner said, man, if only, if only. Did you know that all that is given to us can be taken away? Not because we're not wise stewards, but because it belongs to him. It belongs to him. He lends us things. He calls us to be a steward over things, to manage it wisely over my family, over the position that He gave to me. As a husband, as a wife, even as a child, God has given you stewardship in being a child to your parents. Kids, try this, okay? And, and parents, don't hold them to them, uh, hold them to this just yet, okay? But kids. Just out of the blues one day, okay, kids, you can pay attention on this part. This, this will do you good. But that one day you just come home and you just ask your mom or dad, just say this to them. Mom, dad, what can I do for you today? Now hang on, parents, before you start making a list, okay? They didn't say that to you yet. I'm just challenging you that. But that you say that because you understand your stewardship as a child to your parents. Did you know that God gives you authority as a child under your parents? That you have authority under your parents? That God gave you authority as a child? That you can do things like that? You can, come, you can actually come home and do your chores without your parents telling you. You can do that. You have the authority to do so. 
You can go to your mom and say, Mom, not another word. I will do the trash by myself. I got this. I know how to do it. Been doing it for 10 years. Dad, don't worry. Got the dishes. I know how. I know where the soap is. I know where everything is. I know how the, the, the sponge functions. I know the hot and cold water. I got this. Mom, don't worry about the clothes because I wash my own. But separate the whites and the colors, just please. But you do. You have authority. Why? Because God gave that to you to steward it well. Parents, God gave you stewardship as a parent to be the parent He called you to be. That's why we're to step it up in managing what God owns. As a husband, I got to step it up as a husband in what God owns to Heidi. I don't own my family. He does. But he says, but you've got to step it up in certain areas. And you can step it up in encouragement. You can step it up with being more attentive. You can step it up. Why? Because in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah, that word works means employment. That God called us, created in Christ Jesus, for employment, good employment with him. In other words, he's my boss. And I am an employer as a husband unto God for my wife. That he hired me as a father, as an employment position for him. I work for him as a father, as a husband, as a brother, as a son, as an uncle. You work for him as a mom, as an auntie, as a sister. God created us that way, and we work for Him. We're employed by Him. Why? Because He owns it all. Everything belongs to Him. One rabbi said it like this, This world is a house. Heaven, the roof. The stars, the lights. The earth, with its fruits, a table spread. The master of the house is the holy and blessed God. Man is the steward into whose hands the goods of this house are delivered. If he behave himself well, he shall find favor in the eyes of his Lord. And if not, he shall be turned out of his stewardship. I can lose this position as husband. Remember when Heidi and I were going through our our marital problems, and boy, it was like things could not work out. And I would pray and I would say, God, you said you could save our marriage. You said you could help us. You said that uh, you, you're going to give us the power to do so and the wisdom. I, I, don't, I don't got anything. You got to help me. And he says, well, what do you want your family to look like? What do you want your life to look like? I said, okay, simple. Um, no fighting. I, I just don't want to fight, God. I mean, if we just get up and not fight, that would be the best thing in the world. And then um, no grumbling. If we can just not grumble, we always grumble. So, can we do that? And then, just, just change Heidi. That's all I'm asking. If, if you could just change her, then everything would be fine. And then, everyone would just listen. If everyone just listened and did what I said, it would be perfect. And God says, what are you willing for that to happen? 
I said, anything. I'm willing to do anything. He said, okay, then change. I said, not that, but other things. What, what can I do? He said, what are you willing to do? I said, whatever it takes, God. And he said, then you're going to have to do a couple things different. You're not attending church. You need to attend church. I'm like, yeah, but it's football season. Can I, like, get the CD? He says, there's something that takes place when you go with your family. And there's a difference. Okay, what else? Well, the way you speak to people. You have to change that. Oh, man. Okay, what else? It's like I was having this attitude. And I said, okay, I'll try. I'll, I'll see if that works. He said, it's up to you what you want your life to look like. Because I have all the resources necessary for you. But it's your choice. And it's up to you. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do my very best. And I said, okay, so that's the deal. And he says, just to let you know where you are, because it's not an easy thing. Because there are times when you come to me and you grumble. You fight with me. And you don't want to change. And how often that when I speak, you don't listen. Because if you did listen, then everything would be just right. Now, we're all still learning. We're all still trying to get better. But God says, step it up. Step it up as managers. Step it up even where you work at. Because it involves people. Instead of us going to work and just getting by because there's politics in the workplace, don't do that. You don't work for them. You work for God. He owns that company. He owns our county, our state. He owns it all. Yeah, but if I do good, then it's going to make other people look bad. No, no, no. You're going to make God look good. People look bad by themselves. God looks good by Himself. And He calls us to shine just like Him. So you're not worried about outshining someone. You're more concerned about shining for God. There's a major difference between trying to outshine other people and putting others down so you look good than to do your very best for the God who gave you that position. As a husband, as a wife, wherever God has called you to steward, He says you do that well. Don't settle for mediocrity. Settle for God's very best because we're His workmanship. And the last thing, take risks with God. Take risks with God more than anywhere else. More than anywhere else. Yeah, we take risks with all kinds of things. I, I, when we would watch, mostly me, watch you know, TV late at night, and they had all these infomercials, boy, man, they got me. I mean, they just had the energy for it. Uh, and I would watch, and I would think, boy, that would be good. We could use that. Oh, we need that. Or that would clean this. You know, we would go through all of that, and then I would buy things. And I would take more of a risk in that than I did the things of God. And then years would go by, I would never use the things we bought. And there, I remember this one time I bought this thing for a carpet cleaning thing, a solution. And I never used it. 
And then one day something spilled on the carpet, maybe grape juice or something. We're trying to clean it and Heidi says, that's never coming out. And I remember, no, the guy said, it will come out. I just have to put this. And I said, no, no, I have this thing, Heidi, that I bought. See, look, you just put a little swab here, you put a swab there, and you rub it in just a little while. And then we start to clean it up. And, but it was so old that it didn't work. It was like just paste and mud. And I thought, this thing is junk. But when I take risks with God, He never changes. He is always sure and true and trustworthy and faithful. He never grows old. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Take risks with God. We take risks with investing in our finances. We'll go gambling. We'll take a risk there. We'll risk with buying things and hope that it works. We'll risk with people, but we forget to risk with God which is the one place that will guarantee that he'll take things and work it together for good risk with God the third person is Job Job understood that everything belonged to God which allowed him to trust God and to risk it all in God remember with Job he had it all he had the wealth big family, lost it all. But he still, he still was able to keep his perspective on God. And he was still able to take risks in God. And this is what he's learned. And we can learn this in Job 121. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Risk with God. Because whatever the outcome, the end result with God is there's blessings. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. That there's blessing in risking with God. And everything that we risk with God, that's the end result. When we give to God, the end result is a blessing. When we serve God, the end result is a blessing. When we take a risk in a relationship because of God, and He said, you are to step it up as a husband, the end result is a blessing. When he says you step it up in the way you speak to someone, not treating them harshly. However, however God speaks to us, there's a blessing at the end of that. In everything we do here, as Pastor Aaron was praying over the offering and the tithes, that's, that's what we do. We do everything and we risk everything for the cause of Christ, for what God has called us to do. For some of you, you're, you're saving to save where we understand that God has called us to save so that we can build the finalization of our courtyard. In fact, someone came to me last week and said this, we're not going to be here on September 25th when you receive that offering for the courtyard, so here's our gift in advance. Because we're not going to be here. And I thought, Lord, you're already moving. Because we're not giving to a building, we're giving to you. And so when we save to save, we're not saving for the cause of a structure. We're giving it to the God of the universe. Because He wants us to understand this partnership between God and us. And when it's all said and done, watch the blessings that God does. Because of who He is. And He'll cause that to happen. You know, when Jesus was going to the cross and he, he died and was resurrected and he talked to his disciples, he wanted them to remember that although everything belongs to God, he's going to give us a certain authority. 
to manage what God gives to us. It's found in the book of Matthew, and it's the beginning of what we call the Great Commission. But in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came to his disciples and he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And if Jesus lives in you, which I believe many of you have said, yes, I have asked Jesus to live in me, then we're going to take risks in God. We're going to step it up. We're going to understand that we're to invest in people. We understand that. Why? Because God gave us authority to do so. And it's through Jesus Christ. The question I leave us all with is this. How will I steward what belongs to God? How will I steward what belongs to God? Because it's our choice. And when we're able to answer that question correctly, then we're beginning to understand that it all belongs to Him. And it's a partnership with God and us. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. I'm reminded of this one story that I read of God owning it all and, and how He calls us to be stewards over what He gives to us. It says, so when a man finds Jesus... It costs him everything. Jesus has happiness, joy, peace, healing, security, eternity. Well, man marvels at such a pearl and says, I want this pearl. How much does it cost? Well, the seller, the seller says it's too dear, too costly. Yeah, but how much? Well, it's very expensive. Well, do you think I can buy it? Well, it costs everything you have. No more, so anybody can buy it. Well, then I'll buy it. Well, how much do you have? Let's write it down. Well, I have about $10,000 in the bank. Good, 10000 What else? What do you mean, what else? That's, that's all I have. I have nothing more. Really? Nothing more? Well, I have some money in my pocket. I have, I have 20 40 60 80 I have $120. Good, that'll do. Anything else? Uh, that's all I have. Where, where do you live? I live down the street in my house. Oh, so you own a house. I'll take that too. My house? So now I have to live in my garage? Oh, you own a garage too. I'll take that. Great. Now where do I sleep? In my car? Oh, you have a car? I have two. I'll take both of them. What am I going to do? What is my wife going to say? What is my kids going to say? What are they going to say? Oh, so you have a wife and kids. I'll take them too. Great. I have nothing. I have nothing. And here I am all alone by myself. So you still have you too. I will take you too. So what do I have? Well, you wanted to exchange everything for this joy, that happiness, the peace, the healing, the security, that eternity that God promises you. That's what it costs. It costs you everything. It's kind of a bad life now. I don't have nothing to live for. I don't own anything. Precisely. But because of this exchange, your gracious owner gives you all of this back. Not to own, but to steward 
what he owns. By the way, because he owns it all, he has an unlimited supply of resources. Take good care of what belongs to him. And that's what you and I have from God. Everything we have belongs to Him. Would you pray with me? In fact, let's stand together and let's pray. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, the the idea of us as human beings acquiring things can get a hold of us sometimes. We want to do our very best as parents, as children, and we want to do our very best to take care of what has been given to us. And we may not have the mentality that, that we own everything, but, but we try to own it in such a way that we take good care of it. But maybe along the way we've forgotten that it all belongs to you. And so help us to steward well what belongs to you, our children, our family, our work environment, the positions that you give us, that we would be people who encourage, that build up, that step it up in the leadership roles that you've called us to be in. For you own it all, and you have an unlimited supply of resources. Thank you for being the God who provides in your precious In Christ's name we pray. And we all said, Amen.